athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think, I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. Prayers up right now for Brittany Griner. We talked about this last week. She was sentenced to nine years in prison. Uh, from everything that I've read, this is a formality. It's supposed to be for formality to uh, to now begin perhaps a prison swap, which is why she pleaded guilty in the first place. But I'll tell you, I, listen, you just don't know. That's the thing. Like, this is a situation where there was no question about it that this was this was political. It was political because Brittany Griner is a is a superstar player in the WNBA. She had star power, right? So this was a situation where and and again, not to be too political, but when you're talking about the uh, the really the war by Russia on Ukraine and then all of the sanctions against. Russia and so on and so forth. I mean, this this is just a way for Russia to have. I mean, I don't want to say leverage, but this is a way for Russia to say, okay, you're gonna you want to do us this way. This is what we're going to do. And in the same token, for Russia, if there's a prisoner that the United States has, then it's a way for uh, one of their prisoners to be released. So this is political. All the way, it's very unfortunate. I feel so bad for Brittany Griner. Like I, you know, I, I, this, this, when this story initially came out, what, what are we talking about? Back to February, when this story initially came out, I, 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 I didn't have a good feeling about it at all, uh, because. There was a war that was going on, and when you get, you know, you we have it, we have it good here. We have it good here in the United States in terms of our freedoms. I mean, I, I do relish our freedoms. I think sometimes we have a little bit too many freedoms, but I'm going to tell you what: I'd rather have more freedoms than none. Where a lot of places have you, you as an individual have. No freedoms. Nine years, not nine and a half. Nine years she was sentenced to uh, in a Russian prison. But, man, ow, I feel so bad. Thoughts and prayers with Brittany Griner right now. I saw that, the nine years, and I, I, my, my heart just sunk. To be, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I was just like, oh, man. Again, th- this may be part of a process but at the end of the day, 
we don't know. I mean, I've read where this is something that the process could begin and she could be home in a week's time. It could take years, right? We know for sure that the sentence is nine years. I mean, I really thought when I heard this story initially, if I'm honest, right, I was like, I don't I don't know what happened. I wasn't sure what happened. This is what Russia said happened with with the possession of the drugs or the paraphernalia that she had. And in the time in which we were in at the towards the beginning of Russia's war on Ukraine, I'm like, I I don't think Brittany Griner is going to come home. And this is at the time they were talking about something like three to five years or something like that. I mean, now they're talking about nine years. It may be part of the process. I'm not 100 percent sure, uh, but you just never know thoughts and prayers right now with Brittany Griner. Welcome to another edition of the program. I am your host, Donald Ware. Listen, so talked about, you know, obviously got the Brittany Griner situation, which is more, uh, which is more recent. But I mean, I, I just I'm not sure where to really begin. OK, this has been one of the busiest weeks in sports in a long time and one of the busier weeks that I can remember. You talk about going back to late last week on Sunday, uh, Bill Russell passed away. The great Bill Russell passed away at the age of 88, a great man, a gentleman, someone that was an ambassador for the NBA, even after his career, first black coach in the NBA, won all of those NBA titles, I think 12 NBA titles uh, with the Boston Celtics. Just a great man passed away. Um, you also had, I mean, there's so many things. You had Deshaun Watson, the ruling comes down. He gets a six-game suspension uh, as put forth by the independent arbitrator uh, in this case. Suell Robinson, a former federal prosecutor. We'll talk more uh, about that and about the uh, Deshaun Watson situation. You had the NFL come in and and is now going to uh, appeal uh, the arbitrator's ruling, going to appeal it. And guess what? It comes back to Roger Goodell. Now, the NFL says, I, the NFL says that, Roger Goodell is going to select someone to actually be the one to determine um, if it should, that it should be more games. I guess it's just a matter of how many more games it will be. We know that the NFL wanted a year. Okay. How many more games will it be? That's a wink, wink situation. It's really Roger Goodell giving <laughs> instructions through whoever this person is going to be. So you have that situation. You have, the Dolphins, <laughs> how about the Dolphins have been uh, found to have done some wrongdoing in terms of tampering with Tom Brady and with Sean Payton, former Saints coach. So the Dolphins lose a first round pick in 2023, a third round pick in 2024. And so that's significant. I mean, if you're the Dolphins, you're trying to build, but that's significant. First round picks maybe in the NBA don't mean as much. Um, certainly second round picks mean much less. And, and, you know, if you if you get a first round pick and it's, 
you know, a lottery pick, and, and probably I would say more specifically, and it depends on any given year, a top five pick uh, is good. But after that, eh, you know, maybe top seven, top eight. After that, not so much. National Football League, a third-round pick means a lot. So that's a lot that the Dolphins also lose. You also have one of the legendary broadcast voices of all time, Vince Scully, passing away. Dodgers, he's known as the obviously the voice of the Dodgers, but did so many other things, did work in the National Football League, did work on television, did work with Major League Baseball on TV outside of the Dodgers, passing away also. So, I mean, this was uh, an unbelievable week in terms of news in the world of sports. I mean, it doesn't count all of the things that are going on in terms of the respective National Football League camps. I mean, it's just so much going on. And Vince Scully, 94 years old as he passed away. Thank you to all of those listening to all of our great affiliates around the country that carry the program. How about in Tampa? We mentioned Tom Brady. Boy, you guys in Tampa uh, could have lost Tom Brady. He was close. It looked, looked like he was you know, trying to definitely get to Miami. Those that listen to us in Tampa on WURK. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 141, 142, and 84. So last week, last weekend I went back home to the DMV, had a great time as I always do. One of the things that I was able to do that I had never done in all my years in the living in Washington, growing up in Washington, first 25 years of my life, was go to the Kenner League games, right? So the Kenner League games are played at Georgetown. The Kenner League is named for a gentleman, um, I don't know his first name, but last name was Kenner. Was uh, was just great uh, in terms of youth and activities for the youth, the YMCA, etc. In Washington D.C., as a matter of fact, this was uh, uh, something that was actually founded by uh, the late John Thompson. And the games have always been played on the campus of Georgetown University. I'd never been to jo- I'd, I'd never been 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 to Georgetown. Never been on Georgetown University's campus, McDonough Arena, where the games were played. Had a fantastic time, some great games. And for those that don't know, so um, the Kenner League is made up of a lot of Georgetown players are in the Kenner League. But in Division One, throughout whatever summer league you play in, there can only be two Division One team, uh, two Division One players on any given team. So there were a bunch of Georgetown players scattered on different teams, and then you had either players from the Washington area that were in. Uh, respective colleges and universities, or you had guys that maybe played somewhere, uh, a, a college outside of the DMV, but were DMV guys, mostly, that represented the respective teams. And that's how it's always been. And I had a great time. And, it, you know, it just got me to thinking when LeBron James, going back several weeks now, showed up at the Drew League, it just got me to thinking, look at all these great summer leagues that we have throughout the United States. And I had never been to a Kenner League. And I said, I am going to go to the Kenner League. And I did. And I enjoyed myself immensely. Still to come here on Box to Row, the HBCU All-America preseason team was released on Thursday. I'll talk about that. Plus, I want to talk 
a little bit more about the Deshaun or talk about the Deshaun Watson situation, the scenarios and uh, what's going to happen next. And I've got some thoughts on Bill Russell, the legacy of Bill Russell, the man who he was that I really want to share. And so we'll do that as well. It's been an extremely busy week when it comes to sports. Plus, the National Football League kicked off on Thursday with the Hall of Fame game. So football is here. NFL, college. Uh, I tell you what, we got you covered right here on Box to Row. And thank you for making Box to Row, wherever you may be listening. A part of your day. Hit me! The 2022 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. Also, Grammy Award winning Ashanti. Live. Then the Classic kicks off at a new time. 6 p.m. New coaches. Old rivalry and an iconic halftime battle of events. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. Methodist Hospital. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Kyler Murray, he never refuted that this was in the contract. Why would you sign a contract like this that has that kind of language in it and be okay with that? Now, you could make the argument, they're giving me the money. Maybe I would sign the contract anyway, regardless of that. I mean, I think the issue is, how did this get out? Like, was this leaked? I mean, did the Cardinals come out with this? Something like that if you sign it. I mean, you don't want anything like that to get out. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. I don't remember feeling like this. This segment of the program is brought to you by the State Fair Classic, taking place Saturday, October 1st, in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl, Prairie View A&M and Grambling going to get together. Should be an exciting football game. Of course, you can be part of the largest 
Fair in the United States at the Texas State Fair. You can be part of that. Also, don't forget Ashanti is performing as well. We're huge fans of Ashanti here. For tickets, visit Ticketmaster.com. Or for more information, visit statefairclassicfootball.com. Should be a good game as it generally is. And I'll tell you what, I mean, if I could go, I, w- I would, you know, I'd go to see the game, bands and all that. But I definitely would be on that main stage to see Ashanti performs, one of my favorite entertainers really ever. And a former guest of this program. It's been a busy week, to say the least, in the world of sports, particularly in the National Football League. And I want to get back uh, to the news we found out late Sunday. I was on my uh, way back uh, from D.C. uh, listening to the radio when I heard about the passing of Bill Russell at the age of 88. And immediately what went to my mind about Bill Russell was his involvement with the NBA for so many years. We know about him as a player, one of the top 10 players to ever play the game. We know about the 12 NBA championships as a player. We know about the two as uh, the coach, the first black coach in the NBA, the first black head coach in the NBA and the coach of the Boston Celtics. We know about uh, all of that. But what immediately came to my mind is – how much we see Bill Russell. Now, Bill Russell's a figure, and there have been a lot of figures that have played, great players that have played, you know, sort of back in the day. And and Bill Russell's one of those really back-in-the-day players. I mean, he was even before Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So when I say back in the day, I mean back in the day, right? And, but he was, he was very involved in the NBA. You had... The NBA Finals trophy was named after him going back to 2005. He he was always there for the presentation of that trophy. I think up until, I don't think he did it this past, uh, this year, but I think he was uh, there and presented the trophy on last year uh, for the 2021 champion. He's been around a long time. So he's been visible as one of the older players from the era of, you know, the 50s. Uh, with the George Mikans of the world and uh, sort of that era. He's the one, you know, Bob Cousy. He's the one that's been the most visible up until now. And as I mentioned, the NBA Finals trophy is named after him. So that's one of the things that came to my mind. I mean, I I think with his visibility, because you can talk about, you know, the Bob Cousy's of the world and, you know, all of those, all of those players and some of which, are still living. I mean, even when you think about the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's of the world, even though he was was after uh, Bill Russell uh, in in a lot of respects. I mean, the the better part of his playing days were after uh, Bill Russell's playing days. Um, but even we, you know, we don't see Kareem as much. We don't see some of those players, the Jerry Wests of the world, as much. Uh, obviously, Jerry West is involved in front offices, so we don't see him, but he's involved in front offices. But my point is, every NBA Finals, J- uh, Bill Russell was visible. So that's number one when you're talking about the older players. I have an appreciation for the older players, the players that came, that played a long time ago. I have an appreciation for history, generally speaking, but specifically as it relates in this instance 
to the NBA. I like to know more because I wasn't living when Bill, I wasn't born, I should say, when Bill Russell uh, was playing. Okay, I, I, I was barely born when like the, you know, the Earl, the Pearl Monroe's and, you know, Kareem towards the latter part of the 70s and Magic Johnson and, you know, was winning those champ, uh, well, winning that first championship. I, I wasn't around. So I have an appreciation for the history of the game. So Bill Russell's visibility, even though I would have known, he probably was known to a lot of younger people, people my age and much younger, and even the younger generation because of his visibility more recently. That's number one. Number two, what sticks out in my mind, what, what and, and actually this probably stuck out in my mind even before I thought about having seen Bill Russell more recently was the summit with Muhammad Ali back in 1967. All the great black athletes of the time came together to support Muhammad Ali in terms of not uh, going to the Vietnam war, not wanting to participate in the Vietnam war. So, you know, we had Jim Brown on this show going back maybe 2008, 2009. That's one of the things that I brought up to Jim Brown because when I think of Jim Brown as well, I mean, Jim Brown played in, Bill Russell played in the same era. Uh, so when I think about Jim Brown, I think about that summit with Muhammad Ali and all of those great black athletes, the Bobby Mitchells of the world. You know, again, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, then known as Lou Alcindor, was there as well, all coming to support Muhammad Ali. So I think about Bill Russell in that context. I think about Bill Russell in his involvement in the civil rights movement. You know, I think about that because he was very much involved in the civil rights movement. I mean, um, you know, he was the first black coach in the in, in the NBA. He played in Boston. He was a coach in Boston. And let's not get it twisted. I mean, you may see Boston now and how things are. And, and, and it's interesting because, you know, Red Auerbach, the, the coach of the Celtics, always had, you know, black players, right? I mean, we think about the great Sam Jones who played at North Carolina Central, won 10 championships, one of the greatest 50 players to ever play, now 75 players to ever play, came out of North Carolina Central, was drafted by Red Auerbach. So he's, he's drafted... It, it, you know, black players, uh, right? But let's not get it twisted about this about the city of Boston. City of Boston is it, Boston is a racist city, and it and it still continues to be from everything that I've that I've read and heard. And I don't want to sit here and pretend like I've you know grew up in Boston or New Boston, but I mean it's always had that reputation, right? And 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 I don't know, maybe maybe things have changed a little bit there because of the times, because as times change, even though we racism is still rampant throughout the United States, it's, you know, there's, there's, I think as we go along in society, people have better understanding, right? And don't want to be like their fathers were, or like their grandfathers were. not to say that we're not going to have racism and that doesn't exist. It's just that people change, things change, um, and, and people uh, have a better understanding. And so to be able to come up in that climate during that time and play, win championships, 12 uh, championships, 
by the way, become the first black coach. I mean, I can only imagine what it was like to be the first black coach in the NBA. What and, and, and it was 11 NBA championships as a player, not 12. He's a 12-time uh, all-star and won, again, two championships as a as a coach, as the coach, player coach. But what was it like for Bill Russell? You know, I asked myself, what was it like for Bill Russell during that time, right, playing in Boston, you know, half half of the year, you know, um, playing in other markets? Now, you know, maybe the NBA wasn't as further south, and that's not to say there's, you know, there still wasn't racism in Baltimore when it was the Baltimore Bullets or the Philadelphia Warriors and Philadelphia, you know, the Philadelphia Warriors or, uh, you know, the, the New York Knicks or whatever team you had, right? But, I mean, predominantly NBA basketball, if not wholly, was in the north, in the north, you know. Um, so I just wonder what it was like for him during those times, right, as a trailblazer, uh, as the one of the best players. I mean, Wilt got all of the headlines. He played against Wilt. Wilt got all of the headlines because of all the points that he scored, but... Bill Russell was that defensive guy, the anchor, the heart and soul of those Celtics teams that won championships. He's a winner, 11-time NBA champion, twice as a head coach, okay? But I wonder what it was like for him during those times and then after those times. So, you know, I, I, I as we celebrate the life of Bill Russell and thank about the life he had, um, his playing days, playing against Wilt Chamberlain, um, you know, coaching or being the head coach of the Celtics, coming up in those times, those times of, you know, the 60s. I mean, the six, you talk about the civil rights movement, you talk about a lot of unrest, you talk about, you know, uh, all of the things that came along with the 60s and being able to get it done and to be able to win championships, okay, as a player and as a coach uh, in a town uh, like Boston really speaks volumes about Bill Russell, who he was, the fortitude that he had, the winning mentality uh, that he had, and then to be an ambassador for the NBA to talk with the younger players that have come through uh, the league at the time. And some of the great centers that came through, whether the, you know, the Shaquille O'Neal's, even the, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, because remember Kareem is, is, is younger uh, somewhat considerably than is Bill Russell. And to be an ear to those players and those players to have the respect for a Bill Russell will never see a player being, and, and it's a different time. I get all of that. But we'll never have a, not a player, but a person, the magnitude of a Bill Russell ever in the NBA and perhaps in sports as a whole. I get it. Different time. Things change. Bill Russell was one of a kind. And this is a huge Huge love. And I was driving and I heard this. I was like, wow, that, that is deep. It is a big loss. We're, listen, he was 88 years old. We're all going to go at some time. But that doesn't, just because we're going to go, doesn't mean that when it actually happens, 
uh, we don't pause and reflect and it doesn't have a big impact. And that's going to be, that is a huge impact on the NBA, the sports world, and the world as a whole. We'll be back. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. That's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I always say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement, and I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for Black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest of them all, and and be able to create history. It's just it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years you can get to it. <laughs> Man, you know what it's good? And, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better. And, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melogs. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Went to Salem State where I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. He called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. 
I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still View Football League has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. Welcome back to Box to Row. If you want to participate on the program, hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Let's talk some HBCU football here on the program and specifically want to talk of the HBCU All-America preseason team that was released on Thursday. Of course, Florida A&M's Isaiah Land leads that team. Willie Simmons, the head coach of Rattler, scheduled to uh, join us uh, at some point next week uh, right here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. But it's led by Isaiah Land, and it's also led by Shador Sanders, the quarterback of Jackson State. You had 29 players that were on the HBCU All-America team, a lot of holdovers uh, from last year and some new players um, also as well. We're going to go through uh, this list as a matter of fact. You, you you talk about quarterback, and I think, this is the thing. Like, I think there are some talented, some talented quarterbacks uh, when you're talking about uh, HBCU football, right? And, I mean, Shador Sanders basically got, he got all of the votes. He, he, was, he was a unanimous selection in terms of uh, from the quarterback uh, position and rightfully so I mean you're talking about a young man that threw 30 touchdowns on last year only a, I mean, 30 touchdowns to like I don't know a handful of interceptions maybe like four interceptions something like that he completed 66 percent of his passes he was seventh in all of FCS in terms of a uh, pass completion percentage when you watched him play last year I mean he was spot on hit his targets, didn't miss a lot of balls. More importantly, as a true freshman, did not make a lot of mistakes as a whole. And so, I mean, there's no question about it. But I mean, when I look at this list, <coughs> excuse me, I look at Draylon Ellis from Tennessee State. Now, he was a second team uh, all OVC performer last year for Austin P. So he comes now. Uh, to Tennessee State with those credentials. Um, I think he was the preseason player of the year last year um, in the OVC. I mean, I look at Kahari Lane of Fayetteville State, had a good season. He had like a touchdown to interception ratio of like 21 to 4 as the Broncos got back to the CIAA championship. And also joining us next week 
will be Fayetteville State head football coach Richard Hayes here on the program. So I think, you know, I look at uh, Davius Richard out of North Carolina Central. I mean, you look at Corey Fields out of South Carolina State. Um, I mean, there are some quarterbacks, Deontay uh, Bonet out of Albany. I mean, there's some quarterbacks, uh, but I mean, I think clearly the quarterback uh, was Shador Sanders for what he was able to do on last year. Your three running backs, Gary Quarles out of Alabama A&M, Caleb Johnson out of Mississippi Valley State, and Jay Javis out of Norfolk State. When I think of Quarles, I mean, Quarles did very well in the spring of last year, came on, did very well. I mean, he averaged something like 7.2 yards per carry. He's one of the leaders in FCS in terms of yards per carry. So I thought he was absolutely tremendous. Um, you look at J.J. Davis of Norfolk State. He was voted uh, the preseason MEAC Player of the Year. He's a young man that can really tote uh, the rock. Uh, but not only that, not only can he tote the rock, I mean, you know, he's a young man that also um, can um, can really uh, he he can he's versatile he's versatile in, in that respect and I need to correct myself so JJ Davis was the one that averaged seven point two yards uh, per carry on last year but Quarles I mean was really good as well nineteen rushing touchdowns on the season he averaged four point seven yards per carry and uh, averaged ninety five and a half yards rushing per game he almost had a thousand yards rushing. Uh, on last year and then you look at Caleb Johnson Caleb Johnson um I, I believe he led all HBCU running backs in rushing at over a thousand yards last year and that Mississippi Valley State offense don't sleep on Mississippi Valley State uh this year I think it's a team that's going to surprise a lot of people and I think a lot of that begins with the running game uh in Caleb Johnson who really he carried he he led the conference in rushing attempts he had a 1,018 yards rushing on last year, rushed uh, for eight touchdowns uh, as well. So I really like, uh, I, I like Mississippi Valley State this year. So those are your running backs. Uh, your offensive lineman, Quindante Bobo out of Bowie State, was a holdover from the 2021 All-America team. Dallas Black out of Southern. Watch for Dallas Black. Um, this is a young man. Um, that a lot of people are really, really high on. And so watch out for him. He's one of your offensive linemen. Mark Evans, the second out of Arkansas Pine Bluff, didn't make the All-America team last year, uh, although he was an honorable mention uh, All-American last year. But in the 2021 spring season, he made the All-American team. Tony Gray uh, out of Jackson State is going to be a really good one, uh, an anchor on that offensive line for Jackson State. Um, as well. And then you've got Robert Lacey, the other holdover uh, out of Tennessee State. Your tight end is Kamari Averett out of uh, Bethune-Cookman. I mean, he had a, a phenomenal season. I mean, he had, a, he had, I'm not mistaken, he averaged somewhere close to 20 yards per reception for a tight end, which is really, really tremendous. Your wide receivers, Abdul Fateh Ibrahim, out of Alabama A&M is absolutely tremendous. Is was on the All-American team last year. Was on the spring All-American team uh, as was absolutely tremendous. One of the best receivers in all of FCS. And then Shaquan Davis out of South Carolina State. Remember, five receptions, 95 yards, three touchdowns in the Celebration Bowl, Bowl victory over Jackson State. He's absolutely tremendous 
and it's going to have a big, he's got a big body. It's a big body uh, wide receiver. He's going to have a tremendous season uh, on this year. You look at the defense on your defensive line. Jason Dumas is a holdover. Now remember, Jason Dumas played last year at Prairie View A&M, and now he comes over to, uh, to, uh, to Southern, uh, makes the move, comes over to Southern now. And so I think that, like, I think that's a, that's a huge move for Southern, for him to be able to come over there. And um, I think he's going to have a, a tremendous impact. He comes over uh, with Eric Dooley, who's now the head coach uh, at Southern. And then also on the other side is Jordan Lewis. Now, people may look and say, well, Jordan Lewis had a down season. Not necessarily. It's just his numbers weren't the same numbers that he put up. Uh, a couple of things. His numbers weren't the same as the numbers that he put up in the spring when he was named the Box to Row Willie Davis Defensive Player of the Year. Also won the Buck Buchanan Award as the best defensive player in FCS. And number two, he received a lot of double teams as well. So that's tough. But you got those two bookends, right? You got Jablonski uh, Green out of South Carolina State was voted the MEAC's uh, preseason defensive player of the year. He's absolutely tremendous. Uh, and then also rounding out uh, that list from the defensive line position, Sundiata Anderson out of Grambling. Watch out for him. That's a young man that can play as well. Your linebackers, obviously, Isaiah Land. You're talking about 19 sacks on the season. You're also talking about 25 and a half tackles for loss. The young man uh, is poised to have a really good season. He's got to be, you know, he's going to see some double teams as well um, this year. So I know Willie Simmons and his um, defensive staff planning uh, for that so that Land can still make some plays there as well. But he plays that linebacker position. He's going to make some plays anyway, but he's more of a, you know, a 3-4 kind of guy. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to definitely game plan for him. Aubrey Miller, no doubt. Maybe one of the best linebackers. I mean, if if it wasn't for Isaiah Land, then you probably would have been talking about Aubrey Miller as the defensive player uh, of the year. Tremendous linebacker, one of the best in FCS out of Jackson State. And then Jacob Roberts. Watch out for that young man from North Carolina A&T. He's a preseason first team, all Big South guy. Believe me, that young man can play. Your defensive backfield looks like this. Uh, B.J. Bowler, Florida A&M's a holdover uh, from last year. Shiloh Sanders uh, from Jackson State uh, is uh, w- another one of the defensive backs. He was a second-team all-swag performer on last year. Brandon Barnes-Brown out of Fayetteville State. Remember, Joshua Williams was tremendous. Fourth-round draft pick by Kansas City out of Fayetteville State, the first HBCU player taken in the National Football League draft. Um, just a couple of months ago. Well, watch out for the young man, Brandon Barnes Brown, played opposite Joshua Williams. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it was, no, it, was, it was no mistake why Fayetteville State had one of the top-ranked pass defenses in all uh, of Division II on last year. Finally, Urshad Davis out of Alabama State rounds out your defensive backfield. It's a good player. Watch out for that young man as well. Your punter, is Matt Knoll from Delaware State. He was a holdover from the the All-America team last year. Jose Romo Martinez, uh, as well a holdover, was the place kicker out of Florida A&M. Brandon Codrington was your punt returner, another holdover uh, out of North Carolina Central. Uh, Isaiah Bolden, another holdover, the kick returner out of Jackson State. 
And then your return specialists this year uh, were Brandon Codrington, as I mentioned, as the punter, and then also uh, Dayron Johnson out of Tennessee State. So that's your HBCU All-America preseason team. Your thoughts, you can hit us up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, and uh, let us know what you think uh, about the All-America team. Of course, this is the um, 16th year of the HBCU All-America team, and the voters comprise some of uh, the voters from around the country that cover HBCU football. Your thoughts? Hit me up on Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Was there someone that was left off of the list? There's always some players that are going to be left off, but you always have to ask yourself, who do you replace the player that was left off with a player that is on the list? That is always a question that has to be asked. A lot of talent in HBCU football. We'll be back. The 2022 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl inside the world's largest state fair. Let's go down. Are you ready? One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. What did you just say? Come early for the fair. Stay later for the game. One ticket. Also. also. At 4 p.m. performing live on the Chevy Main Stage. Grammy Award winning Ashanti Live. Then. The Classic kicks off at a new time. 6 p.m. Watch two new head coaches battle it out for the first time. The battle gets bigger at halftime. When the world-famed Tiger Marching Band takes on the Prairie View A&M Marching Store. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. And Methodist Hospital. The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance is proud to support the 6th Annual Box to Row Countdown to Kickoff. We look forward to another fantastic season of HBCU football filled with great games, rivalries, pageantry, and unforgettable fall Saturdays. The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance works with local partners to grow the sporting event industry in our area. The GRSA has an extensive track record of securing and hosting successful tournaments and championships, resulting in significant economic impact for the region and an enhanced quality of life for our residents. To learn more, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RaleighNC Sports. Best of luck to all area HBCU football programs this season. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-471-7065. 800-471-7065. 800-471-7065. 
800-471-7065. That's 800-471-7065. It's Donald Ware, from the press box to press row. Welcome back to the program. Glad you've joined us on today. You know, I want to talk about the Deshaun Watson situation, what came down. A lot unfolded this week with respect to Deshaun Watson. The independent arbitrator, Sue L. Robinson, came down with her decision. And uh, her decision... uh, said or says as as it currently stands that um it said a lot but i mean in essence deshaun watson gonna be suspended for six games suspended for six games now i'll be honest when i heard that i was very very surprised considering that miss robinson also stated that it was no doubt that Deshaun Watson had some had much culpability uh, here, but I think some of the presidents of, of of in terms of her handing down only the six games stemmed from other cases. I mean, you could even you could make a case for the Ben Roethlisberger situation when he had. I mean, now remember Ben Roethlisberger had a rape charge uh, against him, where I, I if I'm not mistaken, I think he was initially suspended six games and then. The commissioner reduced it to four. Commissioner Goodell uh, reduced it to four at that time. And he had a rape charge. Now, you know, there's not a rape charge here. It's not to say that it, it's, you know, what uh, Deshaun Watson is to is alleged to have done. Because we still got to remember, like, it's still allegations. Although I think if 24 women come forth with, in essence, with a lot of the same allegations, I mean, everybody can't be, be lying, right? I mean, so something happened, uh, right? And I think some of that was pre- was predicated in terms of her sentencing on some other things uh, that have happened. Obviously, the National Football League, Roger Goodell, not happy because the league was looking for a year suspension. The league was looking for a year suspension for Watson. They only got six games. And so, of course, the league appealed. Now, uh, what's interesting is, it now comes back to Roger Goodell. So anytime this happens and it was collectively bargained and I, and I hear, and I hear people talk about, well, this is what the players wanted. This is the players collectively bargained this. So in other words, it, it, it used to be a situation where all cases came before Roger Goodell. He made the decision. That was it. He was, he was the one. In the collective bar, or the newest collective bargaining agreement, there's an in- independent arbitrator. The decision is made, and then either side can come. Well, either side can appeal. Uh, if the NFL appeals, it still comes back to Roger Goodell or whoever he decides he wants to preside over the case. Uh, so it, you know, it, it's still coming back to Roger Goodell, which is crazy. Right. And you can we can you can criticize the players or the player players association for allowing this to be in the collective bargaining, uh, collective bargaining agreement. What I would say is that when you have a CBA or collective bargaining agreement, remember, 
you know, there was a lot there was a lot of pressure on both sides to get this deal done to avoid a work stoppage. Sometimes in negotiations that you have to have some give and take. So while the players association may be criticized for this in terms of if an appeal comes forth, it goes back to Roger Goodell. At the end of the day, this may be a concession that the players association was willing to give up to so that the negotiations and the contract could finally happen and be signed. There's give and take. There, there may have been, that that may have been something. It obviously wasn't a point of contention for the players association uh, because it's in the collectively bargained agreement. That said, you know maybe it wasn't like the end. It obviously wasn't the end all be all because the players allowed for it to happen. And you know, I mean. I think what if, you know, if you, if we don't have these type of situations, then it's nothing to really worry about per se. In other words, I mean, it is probably a concession I would make uh, just because, I, I mean, you know, uh, let's just try to keep our noses clean as much as possible. But obviously we're, we know um, things are ultimately going to happen and we have this very, very serious case. Um, so you have that part of it, uh, which is which is crazy. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know if the players really had a had a choice. I mean, they had a choice. But I mean, again, you got it's a give and take in um, in something like this. Um, so, you know, six games. I, I. I don't know what he should have gotten for this. I, I think it should have been, you know, when I heard it, I was very shocked. I think it should have been more than six games. And remember, the players came out even before this decision was made and said, hey, we're going to abide by whatever the decision is. We want the National Football League to abide by whatever the decision is. Um, and, I, and and maybe the players knew something uh, or, uh, that this it was going to be not as long a suspension. Had it been a year I mean, I don't think the players would have wanted to abide by that. I think they would have appealed uh, on the other side, but it still ultimately would come back to Goodell or whoever Goodell uh, wanted to preside over the appeal. Six games, I think, is light. Um, again, I believe that in the in the justice system, to the degree, to the degree that you're innocent until proven guilty and that's still the situation and remember we we have lawsuits that have been settled a grand jury declined to indict Deshaun Watson so it's not even a a situation where it's a court it's a court thing although it could end up going to court uh in terms of federal court which I think would be interesting um listen I think the National Football League had to appeal for a number of different reasons one National Football League didn't get its way. And normally that's what happens when it doesn't get get its way. It does go through an appeal. And we've seen many cases that the National Football League lost and then went to appeal. It was overturned. Most most notably, at least coming to my mind, was the Maurice Claret decision. Remember going back, what, 2004, 2005, 2000, 
I think 2004, 2005, something like that, where Maurice Claret sued the National Football League to, to be a, a player to come in and be able to play in the league after his freshman year. He said it wasn't fair that he couldn't do that. He sued the league one. The league appealed, and it actually ruined the career. What's the young man? I can't think of the young man was a receiver at USC because when the ruling came out, um, the young man, the wide receiver from USC, decided to go pro. The, re- the ruling was reversed. He couldn't go back to college, and then he wasn't necessarily ready. I mean, I think he ultimately played in the league, but he probably needed some more seasoning uh, in, in college football. But, you know, generally the NFL wins these kind of, or a lot of times wins these kind of appeals. You know, it's interesting because if, if the, you know, players on appeal, it goes, so now you're talking about antitrust. So now it goes back to the federal, to, uh, to the federal level where you already had a former federal prosecutor that gave six games. So, I, I mean, that's just my thought. I, I don't know. That would be my thought. Uh, you know, she was a former federal prosecutor, right? They brought her in independently to preside over the facts. What was presented to her, not about Deshaun Watson in football, just to to go over what had been presented to her. And, I mean, her findings, I mean, she came back and said, yeah, I mean, he he definitely – uh, was culpable. Uh, there was no question about that. But she, I think, d- did the the uh, her ruling based upon previous precedent. And it's interesting. See, this is what happens when, see, and, and then the other thing for the National Football League, before I further my point, is that if you're the National Football League, you got to appeal this. I mean, you have to from a public relations standpoint. Right. You've you've been soft on players that have had domestic issues, sexual misconduct issues, rape issues against women. And, you know, six games. I mean, that that doesn't fall on the league per se, other than the precedent that the league had set previously. So, you know, I mean, at the end of the day. I don't know. I mean, I you know, I think he probably gets more games. Um, if it goes to the league, he's getting the maximum. Like the league, I mean, you know, Roger Goodell, whoever Roger Goodell has to preside over the appeal, he's getting the maximum, okay? So he needs to be prepared for that, meaning uh, Deshaun Watson. And, wow, I, I, but again, I was shocked. I mean, I got to be honest with you. Like, I was completely taken aback when they said it was going to be six games. Six games was all Deshaun Watson was going to receive on suspension. And uh, we'll see ultimately what happens uh, and what comes of the whole Deshaun Watson situation. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Don't forget about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. You can listen on our website at boxtorow.com or wherever you get your podcasts as well as on iHeartMedia.com. And always remember to support those that support. Yo, Box to Row is produced by DW Communications. 